Hello everyone, welcome to our podcast, The Little Women. We are three best friends who wanted to create a platform to communicate with an audience similar to our age, teenagers. We discuss relevant topics from significant movements to simple teenage issues that feel like the end of the world. Be on the lookout for our special guest episodes to hear about all the different kinds of people who have taken their time to not only educate us, but also you guys, giving an endearing insight into their lives. On today's episode of Little Women, we are joined by Ava Carroll. Ava and I met on an English course a couple of years ago, but now she is doing some amazing activist work surrounding politics, sexual harassment and feminism. Starting with your political passion for like important topics that matter to you and that you think need addressing within society, was there a pivotal moment for you that kind of triggered this urge? Like, Did you see something on TV or read about an issue on social media and you thought, you know what, I want to make a difference? Yeah, um, there wasn't like one day or one incident where I thought, no, this is this is wrong. It was more con- like completely from the beginning, like growing up. Um, so particularly around women's issues, I saw injustices, little injustices, like girls not di- putting the hand up as much in class as boys. Um, And then as I got older, that changed to concerns around body image. um, And as girls went through puberty, um, the sexual harassment began straight away. Um, So I was always aware of it. And politically, um, my mum's always been into politics. So Andrew Marr was always on the Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember... um, my first political memories, the coalition when that formed. And I remember everyone going, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I've always been kind of aware of injustices. Yeah, that's really interesting as well, because it usually starts off really small. And the small injustices are actually some of the most important, because that's kind of where it starts in the classroom. And then it gets bigger and bigger in society. Um. So how did you become more involved, especially for like our teenage audience who may want to be a voice for change, but don't know how? Could you share with us how you got involved in like campaigning and being that voice? Yeah. So when I was younger, my mum always taught me to just take every opportunity for anything. Um, So literally when anything came up in high school um, to do with politics or parliament or public speaking or debating, Um, I just said yes and I was lucky really that I fell into Liverpool Schools Parliament and through that that's just like a local body Um, but through that um, there's just been so many opportunities um, to get involved with so that's how I got involved Uh, so I would really encourage anyone who is looking to get into activism you can always start a grassroots movement yourself um through social media is really great to do that and you girls are a brilliant example of doing that (laughs) yourselves through this podcast um but just say yes to things and don't be afraid to put yourself out there so you just said about like taking all the opportunities you can um so how did you get into the youth parliament so like what was the process like getting into it um so i just put myself forward again so through Liverpool Schools Parliament it's part of a wider body in the northwest and they have NYPs who are elected um 
and I just put myself up for election in Liverpool and I got it. I got elected <laughs> by my peers um, and then as an MYP, you become part of this great community within the Northwest region called Euphoria um, and that's all the MYPs from across the region and they all meet together. Mm. So could you give us a bit of insight about like what being part of the youth um the youth parliament entails like what do you have to do in it what stuff do you like do with other people Yep so we each have a constituency so I represented Liverpool um and then our constituents are young people so like MPs represent their constituents it's kind of a mini version of that um so we try to look at the issues within our area um, we listen to our peers and young people about what's important to them and then we go out and try to make a change um, and we do that we have an annual sitting every year in August where we can put motions forward to be on the make your mark ballot and they are 10 issues that young people vote for that go on to the House of Commons sitting in November and then five of those issues go on to be national campaigns so for example last year I submitted a motion to the August sitting on street harassment and that got enough votes by the MYPs to then go forward to the make your mark ballot um, which goes out to over a million young people it's a massive outreach um, and then it's it's just a great way to see the issues that are affecting young people and then go out and campaign on them. So with the whole youth parliament, it sounded like it was pretty big in your school. Do you think other schools around your area or just around the UK do enough surrounding the youth parliament? For example, do you think it should be more encouraged and students should be more educated about what goes on in it? Um, I think with youth parliament it's a real lottery sometimes i was really lucky and not not even my school as such I, there's this youth worker called jeff jeff dunn um and he was just amazing and i wouldn't have done any of the things that i'd done if it hadn't been for him um he's the one who connected me um so i definitely I'd love to see because I know that the actual UK Youth Parliament they want to get the biggest outreach possible and um, so I think if schools could make that effort to join up with them and discover more about them and connect with local youth groups to make sure that as many young people and to get the most representative group of young people as well because I think with a lot of these things like I was saying before you've got to have that initial confidence to put yourself forward and a lot of people who would be perfect to be an MYP might not have that confidence. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's really good. It would be great if the schools could push that more. Yeah, I definitely think it should be pushed like a lot more because I, I think someone from our school like tried to be in it, but I didn't even know it was like a thing and I didn't hear anything mm -hmm. about it until I heard that this boy was like trying to get in and campaigning to try and get in, but... I'm not sure if Jan or Hannah knew much about it beforehand. No, I didn't, mm -hmm. to be honest. <laughs> no. Yeah, it, I think the outreach could definitely be improved. Mm. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a really great opportunity for when you actually you know, get to do it. So would you 
say for someone who wants to maybe pursue politics or international relations or something like that do you think being a part of youth parliament is worth doing Oh, 100% for so many reasons, because it, it's on a basic level, it's good for your CV. But <laughs> you you get so many experiences and you meet so many different people. And it's you'd find out if politics and helping people is the kind of career that's right for you, because you do have to care about people and you do mm-hmm. have to be doing it for the right reasons um but then on the other side of that as well like we had John Burko speak at our annual sitting um and you get to make connections with MPs like I, I was emailing my MP last night on an issue to make misogyny a hate crime um and you forge those links um mm. quite early on so definitely if, if you get the opportunity to become part of UK Youth Parliament or any youth group I would definitely encourage people to do it yeah because it seems like quite a, a difficult industry to break into so like the networking and making connections is really beneficial it seems yeah definitely and Twitter is so useful for that um, Summer's a big fan of Twitter. I love, I love Twitter. <laughs> yeah. that's, literally, that's literally how I like stay up to date on like stuff going on in the world. I know it sounds like oh social media, but like I feel like on no, Facebook, yeah. it's mainly like more like older people on it. But then Twitter's kind <laughs> yeah. of like if you get the around. hint of something happening in the first place, I go to Twitter. Mm. Mm. Scroll the through. <laughs> it's the first place that has the. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So. um in terms of like a personal level, how do you feel that the youth parliament has helped you? Do you feel like you've become more confident or how has it helped you as a person? Oh, in so many ways. I, <laughs> I honestly, I don't think I would be the person that I am today if I hadn't been part of not just UK youth parliament, but kind of activism as a whole, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because it was great to have the position in the name of my like, member of UK youth parliament and to speak in the house of commons and do all the things that come alongside it but it it's meeting people and doing all these different things um it it just it makes you think as well because you bring things that you're passionate about to the table like I brought street harassment but there's other people who've experienced bereavement and want to bring things in about counselling in schools and mm-hmm. um, there's LGBT issues the, the, there's just so it's just so nice to see young people bring issues that they're passionate about and their constituents are passionate about and it all come together to make a whole um, and I think that's quite an experience to develop personally as well because you realize what issues that you care about mm-hmm. yeah so um we saw that you got to work with the bbc um recently and that was about how to get people younger people more politically involved so why don't you talk to us a bit about what that experience was like and also why you think it's important for younger people to get involved in politics yeah, so the BBC, the way that happened, that was through Twitter. A journalist DM me. <laughs> uh, really out of the place. <laughs> but when, like, Twitter's such a great tool because once you've put yourself out there and you can make all these connections. So this journalist I didn't know DM me and told me information about herself, about the story, um, and they were looking to do a bit of coverage. And I said, yeah, I'd be happy to do it. 
so we went to the town hall in Liverpool and which is where Liverpool Schools Parliament sits um, and that and we just did some filming um, and, I, and it was great it was really relaxed and the the mess it was it seems like a lifetime ago now December <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, really able to register to vote um, for that election but I, it, it's just so important because young people they don't they don't always realize sometimes that politics isn't this suits in the House of Commons all the time politics is everyday lives it's everything that when you walk out your front door it's the pavements that you're walking on it's the price of things that you're buying in the shops it's your university tuition fees it's just so much around your life so Mm. and it's not some far far away thing it's right on your doorstep so I just encourage people to care about it and think about it because it will have a massive effect a massive effect on your life yeah well speaking of the house of commons (laughs) you um, you actually spoke there on tackling hate crime so would you be able to like relay to our audience on how we could go about tackling hate crime and maybe your experience speaking in the house of commons yeah so the the experience of speaking in the house of commons was just absolutely surreal (laughs) i can't believe it even (laughs) happened <laughs> um, I was standing at Boris Johnson's box, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, it, yeah, it was a, it was an amazing experience um, that I don't think I'll ever get again in my lifetime. So it, unless I become an MP, but it it was just incredible. Um, tackling hate crime, I, one of the biggest things for me at the moment in tackling hate crime is making misogyny a hate crime I attended a workshop with Stella Creasy who's an MP who's trying to make that happen um because although every other protected characteristic comes under hate crime Mm. um misogyny doesn't so things like street harassment that that's not counted whereas if you shouted a racist remark about someone in the street that that's recorded and that can be tracked and mm. the statistics are there but for misogyny th- there's nothing there um so for me that that's the biggest push at the minute yeah definitely yeah. i feel like misogyny is a lot more normalized as well so like if you're racist it's like obviously seen as a horrible thing because it is but with misogyny it's kind of just like oh boys will be boys and like, yeah and um, that kind I- of view yeah, and there was a charity on that workshop last night called Hope Not Hate, and what they were, they're an anti-fascist organisation, and what they were saying is that the far right, now that um, racism is seen as something that's wrong within society, a lot of the focus has been moved on to sexism and misogyny because yeah. it's seen as one of the more acceptable gateways. So if you're noticing in politics that there is a lot more sexism and misogyny, that's because there is yeah mm. <laughs> um, we also read that you're representing clan uk in collaboration with body shop so you're also discussing feminism so could you tell us what does feminism mean to you so well it means to me the basic dictionary definition on a basic level so the political social sexual equality between the sexes um but 
to, to me personally, it's given me a sense of empowerment and it's and sisterhood. I've never actually said that word out <laughs> but but that's what it what it means to me yeah. because I think do being an activist on so many issues you you kind of get your power from other women a lot of the time and it's really nice to Mm. and it it just it makes you feel more confident inside so feminism for me it's just as a trigger word it just it makes me feel kind of powerful Mm, definitely so definitely I completely agree with that one um so you also worked with Plan UK and The Guardian to talk about sexual harassment. Um, what drove you to want to make sexual harassment a more open and normalised topic? Um, so like a lot of women, I'd experienced catcalling. I think the first time I was catcalled, I was like 10. And, 10? Or, yeah, because I, <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was thinking, when was the first time? But then I, I thought back and I thought, I remember I was because I was in I wasn't in secondary school yet I was in I hadn't gone there so I must have been 10 or 11 at the oldest oh my um, God. and I was running down the street and uh, it was a white van man typical yeah <laughs> <You> <laughs> <know>? <laughs> and that was my first experience of it um so I'd had experiences like that all the way till now but um, last year I was walking down the street and I had my bum slapped by a lad on a bike, group of lads, one of them slapped my bum on the way past. Um, and that really, really upset me because mm. that was when I was working with Plan UK around kind of street harassment. Um, so I was very aware of it, but I'd never actually experienced well it, it was sexual assault really yeah, yeah. but, but yeah. and and that just it it just flipped a switch for me and I was like I, I can't let this keep happening to women and girls it's so wrong mm. um so that's when I brought the motion to the annual sitting of UK Youth Parliament um and the campaign and the publicity of that kind of took off yeah I feel like I'm quite lucky I've never like properly experienced something like that but then looking back I do see certain things and I was like oh that is a bit strange from like four-year-old men who are being friendly or that's what I was told mm-hmm. they're just being like friendly but then like, yeah it is yeah. strange and especially like a lot of us going to uni next year it's it and going club involved maybe not with coronavirus but you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um it's something that it it worries so many girls and a lot of them don't realize sometimes that they have been sexually assaulted in a club because they just mm. see it as oh it's you got a bit gropey or whatever it's yeah. just so wrong you were wearing yeah. a tight dress what would oh, you have to do don't. <laughs> <laughs> well and um it's just crazy because 66 percent of women experience it and a third of women have changed their behaviour according to what they've experienced. So changing the way that you dress, that's a mm. great example of that. It's just awful. And changing like roots home and things like that, when mm. women literally changing the way that they live their lives because of this. 
Yeah, like walking home when you put your like keys between your like knuckles yep. and like you can't put your headphones in. It's just it's mad, isn't it? It's horrible. Yeah. So you just spoke about your own like what you've had to deal with. Um but you also spoke about it on this morning. Um so can you tell us what it was like to tell that story in front of a large audience? Like did you get any backlash for speaking out or were you like fully supported by a lot of the people you know? Um there was overwhelmingly and it really was overwhelmingly completely positive that so I, I couldn't believe how many girls came forward DMing me on Twitter there was literally hundreds it it was crazy mm. um and they all had similar experiences and they said that seeing me do that had helped them to speak out about it and recognize that it was wrong so that was just incredible there was a bit of backlash <laughs> there was because uh, I, I did some work with Love Pool Echo as well and there was hundreds of comments on their Facebook page about <laughs> you know just stupid stuff and I, I was actually quite lucky in a way because that some of the stuff they were saying was really upsetting but I just I told myself that it was stupid and I just brushed it off um, mm. and then the Daily Mail picked it up as well um, and they quoted some of the Twitter trolls and one of them was talking about the cleavage and they, picked, <laughs> and they did that and I was just like, what? But then loads of girls from Youth Parliament on the back of that saw that the Daily Mail had talked about the cleavage and everything and then they came on Twitter and defended, you know, the cause and yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so it, it over, overall, it was just an amazing experience and the positive definitely outweighed the negative. Mm, yeah, that's good. I'm glad that you weren't, like, pulled down by any of the negative, misogynistic yeah. comments. So. But the th- thing is that, like, I, was, I, I wasn't, but it just shows why people don't speak out because the scary thing is that people will call you out Mm. and people will say no you're wrong or no you're lying or no this doesn't happen because I didn't go to the police about what happened to me even though it could be classed as sexual assault just like loads of girls don't speak out about terrible experiences and it it the dialogue around it just needs to change and it was really scary for me doing what I did but in the wider picture I think it would have been helpful yeah especially like when you're saying like a lot of people don't want to speak out because I remember I was in a sociology lesson once my teacher told us about this girl who was uh, raped and in court they pulled out the underwear that she was wearing and said she was asking for it because she was like wearing a thong or something under her clothes and it's just completely disgusting that they'd even bring up what she was wearing even though yeah. she'd been raped, like focus on the person who's been said. Yeah, clothing to be doesn't. Rapist. Clothing doesn't cause rape. Rapists no. cause rape. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ridiculous. Yeah. So you're kind of just speaking about the um, response you got from speaking about your example. Would you say that in kind of your other campaigning and even just your day to day life, do you see a lot of people hating or disagreeing or trying to? cause an argument with you i'm actually quite lucky i don't really which, which I, I don't know if i'm in an echo chamber i don't think i am <laughs> because like, everything's open and everything um 
No, not really. But I know so many other people who do. Um, mm. And I think sometimes it's how, like, in quotation marks, how controversial you are. And I think I, I've been quite lucky in that respect. I haven't really had that much, but mm. I know other people that have. Mm. Yeah. So um, in kind of politics as, like, a general like politics in the House of Commons and also, you know, like in your everyday life, how would you deal with sexism, even if you don't deal it, deal with it so much yourself, but how would you um, advise someone who maybe is dealing with sexism in their lives? It's so hard because it, it depends on the context and all in all of it. So for me, sometimes the easiest thing is to ignore it and completely block it out for my sanity because it's just because in politics there is so much sexism it's just absolutely rife it's awful um but if if you can report it um but that it, it it's not always as easy as that um I think and I think as women we always get told the right way to deal with sexism and misogyny so people say, oh, you know, you've got definitely 100% report it or no, you've got to do ABC. But I think whatever works for the individual person. So if that's mm-hmm. blocking it out, block it out. If that's tackling that person head on about what they've said, then do that. But do whatever works for you because that, that, that at the end of the day, that's all that you can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any activists that you look up to and admire? Any ones that's like particularly inspired you or kind of driven you to keep going and making a change? Yeah, so actually like when lockdown started and I I felt quite like almost down about everything and I kind of lost a bit of motivation. Um, but I was listening to I started listening to podcasts and I was listening to Jamila Jamil and I'd never heard of her before but I was listening to her podcast and I just think she's I really like her and I think she stands for a lot of good things Um, Mm. and she talks about activism and how it, it sometimes it's hard to keep going because you feel like this massive weight is because you're fighting for important issues um I, I think a lot of my friends have seen this who are campaigning for black lives matter that sometimes the weight of the issue that you're fighting for because it's so emotional and personal to you it can be hard to like carry on so she kind of taught me how to get that that was okay and to like keep going and ne- don't give up yeah I feel like there's a lot of strong female like activists and like acting like singers that you can look up to now where like maybe there wasn't as many like a couple years ago especially with like the me too movement that happened a couple years ago so I yeah. feel like there's a lot more people you can look up to now. Yeah, and I think social media is really good for that in a way. Social media can be bad in a lot of ways, but it's also great because you've got such diverse channels and you can choose who you follow and who you have, um, you know, scrolling on your phone. It, it, you can choose what you see, um, which is really nice. Mm. 
The next question may be a bit daunting, but if you were <laughs> to become prime minister, what's the first thing you would change slash introduce? <laughs> oh, so many. <laughs> can I have two? Yes, you, you can, can have. All, you, you can just keep going on about it if you want. <laughs> um, university tuition fees, education is such a powerful tool, if not the most powerful tool. Um, for so many reasons no matter what you want to go into it it, it just opens up so many doors Um, and I just think it's completely wrong that they should be limited in any way because of financial background Um, so definitely introduce free tuition well scrap tuition fees Um, and the second one would probably be a universal basic income I think that coronavirus has shown us that um money can be invested quickly and rapidly um, when people want to do it and when there's a need for it so mm. I think a universal basic income um after going through this experience would be really important yeah this is kind of off topic but um <laughs> how do you think like the government dealt with like how well do you think it was dealt with like corona (laughs) absolutely appallingly it's an absolute disaster on so many (laughs) levels like at the start like I remember when Boris Johnson like first started doing the um conferences at the like the very beginning and I don't like Boris Johnson I support Labour um but part of me was like looking to him for guidance because it was such an awful time and I was like come on please there's got to be a plan there's got to be something (laughs) and I've never willed a Tory to do well in my life (laughs) um, I was looking at him I was like please please um and at first it seemed okay but then it just descended into absolute chaos with the lack of testing now we haven't got track and trace and then I think the cherry on top of it all was Dominic Cummings and it Mm. it just showed what an absolute farce it was um I just yeah not good (laughs) (laughs) just before it really hit the UK I, I don't know if anyone remembers but on the news it was all looking at Italy and Spain like they were going through a plague and like mm. it was the end of the world yeah <laughs> and then yeah. when the same thing worse is happening here it it just completely changed mm. um, yeah. and then they, they stopped the comparisons on them stupid graphs and it it, it, it was just awful yeah um we asked if you were to become prime minister what would you change but do you have any specific career goals for the future um not really i'm going i'm, <laughs> I'm hopeful results stays a week away i don't know when this podcast <laughs> goes out but <laughs> fingers crossed fingers crossed i'm going to be studying um, english at cambridge next year um and I've just kind of done what I like doing um, for my degree and then I'm just going to kind of keep doing that in life or try to keep doing that in life. (laughs) So I don't know, journalism or going to be an elected official or the civil service. I I don't know. But wherever, (laughs) to, to be honest, wherever I can see that I can make change for people, 
and make the most difference to the most lives and maybe that might end up being an MP I don't know but yeah or journalism we definitely need some ethical journalism in, in the world yeah. right yes. now yeah. <laughs> so wherever kind of I end up but wherever I end up I want to be helping people yeah. yeah I mean it seems like you're good at helping people so <laughs> um <laughs> So speaking of helping people, um, what do you think are the main issues that like are happening right now or like future campaigns that you'd like to get involved with? Um, so I mentioned it before, but making misogyny a hate crime, I think, is really important. Um, the environment, of course. Um, um, there's just so many. I, I, there's... There's so many, but I think I'd encourage anyone to go with what they're passionate about because obviously the environment's a massive issue, but people might not, people might, if, if you have a campaign or not even a campaign, just you feel like you could change the world a little bit, I'd encourage people to go with that, however small it might seem. Yeah. Yeah. So you've kind of just said how everyone else can help but do you think you could go a bit more in depth of like what like everyone can do to help so like how to change the world a little bit as you just put it yeah so just try not to be afraid to put yourself out there I think it goes back to the thing about confidence at the beginning the the world will things don't change in the world by accident and progress doesn't get made by accident you know for women the suffragettes for Mm. lgbt plus rights stonewall you know and so i think just to put yourself out there and take any opportunities if you specifically want to lobby about an issue then just email, 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 email whoever it is that's relevant to that issue because the worst that can happen is they ignore you. Mm, (laughs) Yeah. And it's not so... But the best that can happen is that things might actually change. Um, Mm. So through whatever channels that you have access to and are relevant to what you want to change, use them and be relentless and just keep going and keep going yeah well thank you very much Ava for coming on our podcast today it's been so nice having you on and I thought you've shared some really useful tips and experiences with our audience today. oh thank you I've had a really nice time you're all so lovely <laughs> thank you um so do you want to just take a minute to tell people where they can find you have you got Instagram Twitter anything like that you want if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. Um, I think if you just put Ava Carolyn, I, I think I'll pop up. Um, Twitter's my main kind of body to use. Uh, I think it's really useful. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. no problem. Um, I will, we'll link all of the uh, links in the description, as well as our Instagram, which you guys can go and follow. Um, if you want to ask any questions for any future guests or find out when we have an episode coming out um, and also make sure that you follow and subscribe to this podcast rate it five stars and that's it so we'll see you guys next week thank you so much again Ava that's okay thank you thank you thank you bye everyone bye bye